Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianmedia.com, who are also producers of EWTN's Living Right with Dr. Ray Garendi. Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Law, your host on this magnificent day of our Lord's resurrection. But these are magnificent days, exciting days in the church, both East and West, with the new Pope of Rome, the elect Pope of Rome, Pope Francis I, but also because of all of its implications ecumenically, especially between East and West, which of course is our particular interest here on our program, Light of the East. Before we go any further, as I said, Christ has risen to all of you. I want to say Christ has risen and hello and thank you to a couple of people in particular, Frank and Layla out of Bakersfield, California. Frank and Layla, good to hear from you. And also our good friend, as always, faithful friend, Sonia from Arinda, California. Thanks for your very, very kind letters. And I wish you the best of this great day of Pascha. As I mentioned, this is a very significant time for the church East and West, which makes it very significant for our particular program, Light of the East, because we bring to you not only the Eastern churches, the Eastern lung of their church, as John Paul II called it, but also in, in, in a kind of a complementary way, the riches of the West as well. In other words, we bring you the riches of the church breathing with both lungs East and West, in particular, the Eastern churches. Now, the election of the new pope has a number of implications for the Eastern lung of the church. And for some input into that and insight, we have brought to Lay of the East today, we invited here a priest of the Eastern lung of the church, an Orthodox priest. His name is Father Jim Dutko. And Father Jim is a pastor of St. Michael Orthodox Parish in Binghamton, New York. He was a priest for 41 years. He was formerly the rector and academic dean of Christ the Savior Orthodox Seminary in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And he's a member of the American Carpathal Russian Orthodox Diocese of the Ecumenical Patriarch. 
very long title as usual in the East. Of course, everything is longer. <laughs> but we welcome to our program, and I notice something. I'm going to welcome him, but I'm not going to say Christ has risen to him as it did to all of you. And I'll explain that in a moment. So welcome, Father Jim, to Light of the East. It's nice to be here, Father Thomas. And I'm not going to say Christ. I hear your to voice again after <laughs> yeah. a few days in Rome with you in November. Yeah, it's so providential that you're on the program today, and especially because of what we're going to talk about, because we were together in Rome just a few months ago, and here we are now talking about, together, talking about some events that happened in Rome. And as I mentioned... Before moment, we discuss this Blessed Pascha to all of you. Oh, very good. We'll be Thank celebrating you. on May 5th, but you know the Orthodox in a little different time frame here. So we've just started the Great Fast, and... Uh, you're getting close to Holy Week. Yes, and that's but, why I won't say Christ has risen to you, Father, although I'll wait till after, <laughs> but I did say it to the audience. So they, it's a good lesson for them, too. And those on the Gregorian calendar, both Eastern and Western churches, of course, this is Easter Sunday, Sunday of Pascha, our Lord's resurrection. But those on the Julian calendar, sometimes called the Old Calendar, your Easter, your Pascha is not until May, right, Father? May 5th. Well, maybe you'll be guaranteed to have really good weather. Huh? be the second Sunday of the Great Fast. <laughs> oh, well, let's get to... Palamas, uh, okay. Let's get to some insights now from you as an Orthodox priest in light of the election of the new Pope. And But before we get right to that, let's back up just a little bit, because you recently had a meeting with a person who is your new bishop. We have a new bishop. Our clergy and faithful had the joy of, of, uh, of sharing in the, in the hierarchical liturgy at which... Father Gregory Tatsis, Archimandre Tatsis, was consecrated as bishop on the 27th of November at Christ the Savior Cathedral in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And uh, last week, he hosted a clergy retreat at Camp Nazareth in Mercer, Pennsylvania. And so we had a chance to spend a couple of days with him, and uh, it was a joy. You were saying before that he is he came later to the priesthood? Yeah, when he was a young man, he thought about becoming a priest, like a lot of young people do, and... You know, sometimes you put it in the back burner because you think maybe you should be doing something else. And so he ended up studying biology, became a cardiovascular biologist down in North Carolina. Hmm. And very active in his local community, working with young people. He used to sing in the choir. He became a church school teacher, became president of the parish council for years. And uh, and one day he responded to uh, an appeal by the Orthodox Christian Mission Center to participate as a short-term missionary for several weeks in Alaska. So he went north to Alaska, and after encountering people in, you know, in really tough situations there in this parish, as you could imagine, uh, he decided that he needed to do what he should have done in the beginning, <laughs> at a seminary. And, uh, and so he went off to Holy Cross and spent a couple years there, and uh, in 2006 was ordained priest and, and, uh, and became monastic, and uh, had been assigned to the metropolis of Atlanta, where he was the visiting confessor and uh, youth administrator and involved in, in all the parishes down south. And your diocese, your eparchy, is called the American Carpatho-Russian, but your new bishop, I believe he's Greek, isn't he? Yeah, he's Greek-American, right. He has no Slavic roots. <laughs> and, of course, a lot of people in the parishes, you know, come from everywhere these days. I mean, 100 years ago, yes, this was really each parish had diocese had kind of an ethnic uh, orientation to it, but church is open to everyone. And uh, our metropolitan died uh, two years ago now, on March 13th, and uh, through the grace of God and, and uh, the efforts of a lot of good people, came the candidate and clergy were very happy to receive him. Well, speaking of new leaders in the church, there's a new leader for the Diocese of Rome, for the Roman Catholic right. Church, of course, and that is uh, Pope very Francis. Very exciting time for everyone. 
Yes, and what's really exciting about it for us here, especially in the East, for you and for me and for many listeners, is the fact that the ecumenical patriarch, Bartholomew I, attended. In fact, that was the first time a patriarch from the Istanbul-based, you know, the, from Constantinople, we call it, a church, you know, the Byzantine church, a Greek Orthodox church, has attended a papal investiture. It's the first time since the, there was the Great Schism in the year 1054 AD. This is real historical, isn't it? It's very historic. Uh, several days after the election of Pope Francis, the patriarch decided he wanted to go to Rome and be witness to this and offer the prayers and the congratulations of, of the Orthodox East to, uh, to the Bishop of Rome, our sister church. And so it's very impressive. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that he went. Of course, going to Rome for Bartholomew is, 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 is uh, like coming home in, in some ways, because he was a young graduate theological student. He studied the Orientali there in Rome, so he has roots to go back a long time. But over the years of his patriarchate, he has been in Rome a number of times involved in furthering the conversations that have been uh, ongoing through the International Orthodox Catholic Theological Commission to find a way to to heal the wound that has divided Christian East and West for a millennium. You know, I, I cannot help but think that in 41 years, the world will commemorate the thousandth anniversary of the schism. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be. It can be healed, and it's going to take people of goodwill and good hearts and open to the moving of the Spirit to, uh, to do this. And uh, the patriarch's presence in Rome is, is really a blessing for everyone. There was an interesting article the title of it was Orthodox Patriarch to Rome for Pope's Installation. This is from the Associated Press from March 19th by Susan Fraser and Michael Warren. It had some interesting quotes. And the reason, like people have asked me, Father Jim, like, well, why did the Patriarch go to this? Why was this the first time he went? What made him go to this one? Well, some of the things that he said, that he was quoted as saying, is that he wanted to underscore the importance of friendly ties between the churches and expectations that a new pontiff will advance reapproachment efforts that began decades ago. Then he also said this. He said that... um, Well, I have the quote. Yeah, here it is. It is a gesture to underlying relations which have been developing over the recent years and to express my wish that our friendly ties flourish even more during this new era. Bartholomew told private NTV television in Istanbul before his departure, I am very hopeful in this matter. And he also said, even before the churches were divided in 1054, a patriarch from Istanbul did not attend the inauguration. But he said, Francis is bringing out the best in people. From the first day, he has won over hearts with his modest demeanor, the patriarch said. I felt the wish to go, and I'm going willingly. It's awesome. It really is. You know, it's interesting, Father Jim. I, when I first heard the Pope's, when, when I heard his first address from the balcony when he was first, <laughs> first became the Pope, and he saw the, he addressed the crowd for the first time. One of the things he said it was very telling is that he twice referred to. In fact, he said this. He said, "You know that it was the duty of the conclave to give Rome a bishop." Then later on, he said, "The diocesan community of Rome now had its bishop." Thank you. So I thought that was interesting, and I imagine that, and I think what I thought, what I was imagining was coming true, is that it may have been something that kind of uh, perked up the ears of the Orthodox, that he referred to twice to himself as the Bishop of Rome. Not that he's not the Pope, the leader of the Western Church, but he referred to himself as the Bishop of Rome. And I think that together with Pope Benedict XVI renouncing the papacy, or sometimes it's called resigning, I think those two things are indications that maybe 
the West is willing to be open to a kind of a, a new way of looking at the papacy, one that might be a little bit more proportionate and palatable to the East. Would I be right in that? Here's, here's what I think. I, I had heard Bishop Gregory at our clergy conference share a quotation of Pope Benedict. And this is what he said. He said, the Orthodox have come as far as they can go. It's time for us to move. Hmm. I thought that was an amazing statement. And, uh, you know, I, I've had the fortune in, in my priesthood over the, over the last 20 years or so to serve on the North American Orthodox Catholic Theological Consultation. Mm-hmm. And back in 2010 at Georgetown University in the fall meeting of this assembly, uh, a document was finally completed by theologians on both sides of the table that dealt with a vision of what a reunited church would look like and how it could operate. Yes. A lot of people talk about unity. I mean, and we pray for it all the time. I mean, this is this is uh, certainly the will of the Lord. But what would it really be like? And, and I think for, for people who are really interested in this question and who might not only be dreamers, that in fact this vision could come to reality, but people want to move in this direction, I would urge uh, listeners to go to the uh, to the documentation that can be found at, at the U- United States Catholic, Catholic Conference of Bishops, their, their website, or on SCOBA's site, S-C-O-B-A, and find this document, the vision statement from 2010, because it's kind of a blueprint that could be a way to heal the wounds of Christian East and West. Your comments are very hopeful, Father Jim, and that's exactly what we're about, especially on this day of our Lord's resurrection. It's the day of the resurrection. Yes. When we return, we'll talk more with our very special guest, Father Jim Dudko. Of the American Capetha Russian Orthodox Diocese. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. And like Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish on Facebook. The Tabor Life Institute, which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to taborlife.org. That's taborlife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's taborlife.org. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Praying, it's not about you. And now, a Sheptitsky Institute Minute with Father Peter Galadza. The Ukrainian Archbishop Andrei Sheptitsky once wrote, When we pray for our own needs or the needs of those closest to us, we are certainly doing the right thing. But who of us actually realizes how much self-love there can be in these prayers? It may be that for such prayers we deserve the criticism of Jesus Christ, and sinners and publicans do the same. For these also love their children and care about their health and temporal goods. But when in prayer... We forget ourselves for at least a moment and worship God for his own sake. A moment like this can be one when God's own spirit prays within our hearts with those inexpressible sighs of which St. Paul says, the spirit himself intercedes for us. To learn about degree programs in Eastern Christian Studies, visit sheptitskyinstitute.ca. That's S-H-E-P 
tytskyinstitute.ca. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host, and our special guest today on this day of the radiant resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to the Gregorian calendar, of course. Our guest is Father Jim Dutko. Father Jim, you were commenting during the break. You know, it's major news across the world that the patriarch Bartholomew was present in Rome for the inaugural liturgy of, of Pope Francis, but the patriarch had been in Rome on the 11th day of October 2012 to address the opening Mass of the Year of Faith, commemorating the 50th anniversary of the of the Vatican Council. And of course, in those days, 50 years ago, he was a student at the Orientale, but, but he had some interesting things to say in that address to the Church on that, that to kind of link into some of the themes that, that I'm picking up from uh, the early remarks of Pope Francis. And I, I find them to be really <laughs> kind of on the same page, so to speak. Certainly, he talks about in that in that address the necessity uh, of looking at Christ's prayer for unity. Keep through your name those whom you've given me, that they may be one as we are. And then he said, through the centuries we have indeed kept in the power and love of Christ in the proper moment of history, the Holy Spirit moved us, and we began the long journey toward the visible unity that Christ desires. This has been confirmed. It's like some people think this is a first step in in this. Uh, drive toward rapprochement, but it is not the first step. I mean, it is just a step in a long journey that's been going on for decades to try to heal the wounds in the Church. And, uh, and I, was, I was really taken by the end of the Patriarch's address in Rome in October. Listen to these words, and you'll see how it keys into what Francis was talking about, even on the day of his inaugural liturgy. Bartholomew says, Beloved brother, our presence here signifies and seals our commitment to witness together to the gospel message of salvation and healing for the least of our brethren, the poor, the oppressed, the forgotten in God's world. Let us begin with prayers for peace and healing for our Christian brothers and sisters living in the Middle East. In the current turmoil of violence and separation and brokenness that is escalating between peoples and nations, may the love and desire for harmony we profess here and the understanding we seek through dialogue and mutual respect serve as a model for our world. Indeed, may all humanity reach out to the other, work together to overcome the suffering of people everywhere, particularly in the face of famine, natural disasters, disease, and war that ultimately touches all of our lives. And, uh, these are the themes that I've seen now in, in, in uh, Francis's uh, early remarks as Bishop of Rome and Pope. Yes, and in his homily during his installation, I thought to myself, boy, I bet you the ecumenical patriarch is impressed with this, too. He's hearing something familiar. He kept talking about protecting creation. And, of course, uh, Patriarch Bartholomew is a world-class uh, right. protector of the environment. He's patriarch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, as he's speaking about protecting creation, he means, yes, the environment, all creatures. And, of course, he mentioned ourselves, most importantly. But I like the way that he kind of put it across as, in a very integrated way, like the whole cosmos. We, we are here to protect creation, and that means human beings, creatures, animals, the environment, plants, water, everything. I mean, he didn't specify that, but in so many words, he, he, you, could, you could get that from what he said. And I thought to myself, boy, this is uh, speaking the same language as the ecumenical patriarch. You know, since it's Pascha for, for you folks, I'm reminded of a wonderful quotation in, in uh, Dostoevsky's Brothers Karamazov that deals with faith in the resurrection. Mm -hmm. this, this 
woman comes to, to, to the spiritual father, and she's really in turmoil because she says, you know, in her confession, she says, I, you know, I doubt. She says, how do I know that there's anything besides the grass growing over my head and the worms crawling through my bones after I die? How do I really know there's something else? And, and the priest says in, in this conversation, he says to her, he says, well, he says, I can't prove it to you, but you can come to know it as a certainty, he says. And she says, well, how? He says, well, if you love everything that exists, every plant, every tree, every rock, every person, you'll come to know it. Mm -hmm. Certainty. And this is the whole business of love of all of creation. Because you're right, creation is not just the air we breathe and, you know, and the water we're going to drink and, and all that. It's, it's the totality of everything God has created. The, all the good gifts that surround us, you know, these are gifts of God. And, and uh, this becomes the work of uh, believers everywhere. I just want to give listeners a little bit of background on something you touched on, Father, about how while we're making seemingly great strides with the new pope in ecumenism between East and West, at the same time, like as you mentioned, this isn't the the very first occasion of these kinds of strides and breakthroughs. A little bit of history here. The first major breakthrough came in 1964 when Paul VI met in Jerusalem with Patriarch Athenagoras. And the first encounter between a pope and an Orthodox patriarch in more than 500 years. The mutual excommunication edicts were dropped, and a Catholic Orthodox joint declaration of 1965 called for greater harmony. So that was a monumental moment. They dropped the excommunications that were around for all those years. Then later on, this is something dear to our hearts here at Light of the East, an apostolic letter by John Paul II in 1995 called Orientale Lumen, which means Light of the East, encouraged unity between the two branches of Christianity and opened the way for a historic visit to Rome by Bartholomew I, the, quote, first among equals, unquote, of the Orthodox patriarchs. The Catholic Orthodox conferences followed. And then during the first papal trip to Greece in 2001, John Paul II apologized for the ravages of the Fourth Crusade, uh, which in the early 13th century, the Crusaders sat Constantinople, now, of course, known as Istanbul, which is the seat of the Eastern Church. In 2006, Benedict XVI was hosted by the Ecumenical Patriarch in Istanbul in a visit that brought protests from some arch-conservative Orthodox, but it generally opened room for closer contacts. And now, of course, it brings us to Francis as well. So, as you said, Father, there's been a lot of progress, a lot of breakthroughs, but certainly we're witnessing, uh, I think, a major one. It's going to be exciting to see how all this plays out, huh? Well, what's necessary is for the conversation to be ongoing. Yes. It, but not only at the level of the, of the patriarch and the pope. It has to be an ongoing conversation at the local parish, in the, in the communities in which we live. Uh, you know, when I was a young priest, I served a small parish in a coal mining town in southwestern Pennsylvania. And so I met a lot of people there, and I thought I was coming to teach them things. They taught me plenty. I, <laughs> it's all said and done. But one fellow said to me, great wisdom, he says, you know, Father Jimmy says for two bits and a cup of coffee, you could solve a lot of things. <laughs> and he said to me, Father Jimmy says, everybody has a story. You need to listen. And I think this is, this is, this is really important. This, these personal encounters of people in the church on both sides of this are these are the ways of coming to know each other and really coming to truly love each other and become agents of healing each other. The Pope used to speak about breathing with two lungs. Mm -hmm. And uh, someone said to me that Pope Francis only has one lung. Is that true? Do you know that or not? Yeah, that's true. Uh, one lung or, or partial uh, lung. I, I mean, one of, one of his lungs is partially gone, I understand, or, or fully gone. But yeah, basically they say he has one lung. It's, it's almost iconic, isn't it? Yes, I know. Yeah. <laughs> 
encounter. If you go to the first page of the, of, of the scripture in Genesis, right? What do you hear there? It is not good to be alone. Right. We need each other. Exactly. And it's the feast of the resurrection. Do we have to die to be in communion with each other? Can we work at it while we're here? And Father, you talk about encounter. I want to thank you for encountering us here at Light of the East and giving us the opportunity to encounter you as a noted priest from the Orthodox Church. And we hope to be speaking to you again sometime. And uh, we hope that you'll have a blessed Pascha and a blessed, first of all, blessed great fast for your church and your calendar. And then, of course, a blessed Pascha. Thanks so much, Father Jim, for being with us Father, on you, this incredible you, day. Christ, Christ, Christ. God bless. And as always, our tradition here at the East is to leave you with the sounds of so great a feast day as today, Pascha the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610. Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. <laughs>